Welcome to My Life, Tanya Applied with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, a journey into the deepest teachings of Torah and their application to our personal, emotional, and psychological lives. Gutevach, a good week. We continue our journey in the life-changing Sefer Tanya. This program is made possible by Rena Lights, LLC, and it is an honor and memory of Rabbi Yosef Halevi Weinberg of Shalom, Rabbi Moshe Pinchas Akrein Katz of Shalom, Rabbi Yael Akrein Khan of Shalom, and it is in schus and merit of Rabbi Zevi Cheskel Akrein and Risha Katz Laerich Yomim Veshonim Tevis for many long, healthy years. We are at the conclusion of Chapter 7 in Tanya, Perek Zayin, talking about negative energy. In the language of Chassidus and Kabbalah, klipa. Klipa means a shell that conceals and contains within it the fruit. The fruit is symbolic of Kedusha, of holiness, the purpose of creation, the divine purpose in everything that exists. The shell is the outer layer, the surface, the husk that conceals that purpose. So when a shell is doing its job properly, then it's protecting. It's protecting the fruit within, it's protecting the holiness, and it's helping actually the divine purpose to be realized. So you're eating a meal, like we learned, for the sake of heaven. So you're elevating, and the, and the klippa is part of it, the klippa's nega, the bright or the transparent klippa, the radiant klippa. But then there's Shol Shklipas Atmeis. There the husks are so intense and so strong that they completely conceal or almost completely conceal the divine within it and it's off limits. That's called Adovara Osur. Osur v'kosher bideach It's bound and tied up and held hostage and trapped in the forces that are the negative forces, the destructive toxic forces of selfish existence. Where the husk is an end in itself. Think of people working make, to make money as an end in itself, to eat just as an end in itself. So the fruit is not there. The fruit is not being focused on, so the purpose is not being realized. That's supposed to be off limits. And that's called When it's mutter, mutter means the opposite. Osr means bound. Mutter means unbound, untied, because it's free to be directed upwards, and that's what most of the things we do are involved in. Now, when it comes to Shol Shlipis Atmeis, after explaining Klippas Neiga, he says, that is off limits. If a, a person is not supposed to go there, and if you do, it's unredeemable until the future when Mashiach comes, and then all the toxins will be removed, and then the fruit, the Kedusha, will emerge. But until then, it's off limits. Oi, or through doing tshuva. But a particular tshuva, a very powerful, intense tshuva, called tshuva ma'ava that evokes a deep passion, a deep love, a deep thirst. And that, the very thirst of the distance, has the power to extract the divine sparks, the gedusha, the fruit, from the clutches and the tentacles of the klippa, of the negative. So when you, let's say you're dealing with someone who's a really extremely selfish person, a narcissist. So but generally speaking, a misavic maneuver, you just stay away from that. You don't want to be involved in something that's toxic, because it rubs off. And when you get involved, it can start dragging you in, like sucking you in. I'm not here to talk about any individual, just speaking a concept. What's going on? The toxins are too powerful. Stay away from that. Stick to things that you have, the battles you can fight and win. Stick to things that are holiness. 
But let's say a person does get involved in something that is destructive. So in the future, that will be redeemed. But even today, if indeed hitting rock bottom or that darkness can evoke in a person a level of tshuva, of ava, like you gave all the descriptions, the deep thirst and the passion and the fervor that comes from feeling so toxified, from feeling so polluted and contaminated, that has the power to extract even from those toxic tentacles of klipa. That's tshuva. So that we've learned and we reviewed. I'm just summing up what we've view, reviewed. Elim ken tshuva but to the point, there's and then there's denis, even deliberate sins can be transformed to merits because, like he said, because through that negative experience brought you to such a level. But if it's not a tshuva, if it doesn't have such a love, even though it's appropriate tshuva, you cannot transform it to zochis, the negatives. Okay. And then you need to rely on the future when the when lenetzach. In the end, when they'll come their time, and death and all negative forces will be swallowed up forever. Then the last part of the section, which we learned in the last week and two class here, he speaks about what about biasasudas. So we talk about negative sexual behavior, inappropriate, that is forbidden. It's also vikoshibidechatsenim. Relations with people that are not appropriate. There's also emitting seed for, to waste. So here he made a distinction. And that's the last thing we learned. There's a distinction. Even though, so he's saying, even though we said we need tshuva ma'ava, but here, because you're not, as he explained in the Haggah that we learned last week, because you're not engaging with another person, relations when a person is emitting seed, there's only between them and God, between them and their behavior. There's no other person involved, so there's no keli in the language of the Haggah that we learned. He says like this, because there's no nukva the klipa, there's no keli to contain, which means that even after you do the sin, there's another person involved. So you can do tshuva, but when it's bias asuris, it's like he says, then is the the forbidden union, the energy that you have now released in an unholy and impure way is absorbed by the female bonding, both physically and also spiritually. And that, in a way, traps. So even if you do tshuva, that's between you and God, but the energy has been released and is contained by another. Whereas when it comes to emitting seed wastefully, he says the energy has not been properly contained by, by the negative forces, even though those negative forces do have a hold on it. And actually he said in a very strong way, he says that But still, it's something that is not contained by another. So on one hand, in many ways it's worse why is it worse? Because it's being, it's not contained, so it can just, basically, its influence can flow without inhibition and restraint, as he explains. On the other hand, because it's not contained, you can easily redeem it. Through what? A proper tshuva, and kavonat summa, and very intense intentions in the Pirush Amilis, as the Friedrich Rebbe explains, of Krishna Shalamita.
So that's an exception. So you don't need the tshuva ma'ava in this situation. You still need tshuva nechena. You still need appropriate tshuva. But you don't need that intense thing to extract because you're not because it's not been trapped by another. It's been trapped in your behavior. And, that, and, and as such, because it's not contained, it, in a sense, extends and flows without inhibition and restraint. However, because it's not trapped by another, it's easier to extract through the proper tshuva. My bias asudas, it does not that way, as he, as he concludes. And we're going to read that and then finish the end of the chapter. It says like this, Mashenkein. It goes into a much more clipper tmei as he explains in the Haggah, in the Vagloss, as we just said, because there's the Kali. To the extent that ordinary repentance is not enough, does not have the power to extract energy from there. It's been trapped. So even though it may not have the same abundance and enormity of wasting seed, but now it's been trapped in another place, in a keli. And as such, you can't just extract it with regular tshuva. Eli imkain yasa tshuva ma'avarabba. So this takes us back. Here, you'd need avarabba again. That great love. Because they're holding on and clinging on to the negative forces, unless the person repents with such great love, Abba, that his intentional sins are transformed into merits. So here's that distinction that he makes. Now, I already explained why is it so emphasizing this. There's so many different types of sins, because these are very dominant ones, especially in the area of sexuality, and also Maicholas Asuras, which we began discussing and we'll be discussing in the next chapter further forbidden things that we eat. Because these are the common things that are most contaminating and most common in our lives that affect us. Now the Alter Rebbe is going to both explain and with this explain, let's continue. This is the last lines of chapter 7. With this, we can understand the teaching of our sages and what is the teaching what is a deviance that cannot be fixed? So the Lashem Uvash Shalayuchaliskin is from Kehelis, Aleph Tezvav, Ecclesiastes 1.15. But now the Gemara tells us in Chagiga 9a, what is the sin? What is the deviation that cannot be repaired? So he says, A person who had forbidden relations that caused an illegitimate child to be born. That's a mamzer. So here the Gemara says, here's what it says. In that case, even if the person who sinned does a tshuva, a great repentance, He does great repentance. Nevertheless, 
Nevertheless, he still cannot elevate the energy to holiness. Since the energy that he released was not just like we talked earlier about emitting seed wastefully, but here has already come down into this world, it's manifest in this world and has been dressed in a body of flesh and blood. So even more, not just has there been a nekeva, a woman, that's a keli, but a child was born out of it. So we see from here that there's two different aspects. There's the sin the person does, the gavra. So that, you, we talked about tshuva, different levels of tshuva that can work. But once something has been created, you've created damage in this world. It's not just you create damage to yourself and your behavior. You've created something, in this case a child, so why should that not be able to be redeemed? Because of this reason, like he just explained. Because you can't repair something that's already affected something outside of yourself. So this is literally consistent with what he said before about Bias Asuris. Now you see from this that the Alter Reb is covering the entire spectrum of every form of behavior. In chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, he talked about Gedusha and all its manifestations and ramifications. In chapters 6 and 7 so far, and then next chapter 8 will continue and conclude, he's talking about all the different elements of how negative behavior, because we're covering real life. It's not only about the pleasant things, it's even the realities of life, the uglier side, the skeletons, and the challenges and the darker corners of our lives. So he's covering it in every possible way. The things that you can redeem easier, the things that you can redeem hard-hearted to redeem, things that require tshuva nechena, appropriate tshuva, things that require tshuva ma'ava, and of course, also lovely when everything will be cleaned up and all toxins will be removed. But here's where we come to the conclusion of chapter 7, where he explains very appropriately the fitting this Maimar Chazal. So the Maimar Chazal is both understood by what we learned earlier. Why is it indeed the case? Because now you've created something. There's a real keli. And it also explains, like he says, so now we understand the Maimar Chazal based on what we said before. But the Maimar Chazal also helps us understand what we learned before because it's a perfect example of this topic. And it also teaches us that our behavior is not just about us. The things we do, especially when we re- interact with others in, in areas of forbidden, but in general, definitely in good things, all has an impact that's beyond just you and I, the person themselves. It's the impact you have in the world around you. And that cannot be minimized. So even if he f- f- repents for his own sins and is pardoned, but the child that was born, was born out of it. Now we know there's a story with the Mitla Rebbe, where a person did such shuva, and the illegitimate child actually died. So there is that concept as well. That we see from that. But that clearly is a very unique and rare instance. al Rebbe doesn't even qualify it. Because that's a very particularly higher level of shuva. One would even say higher than shuva ma'ava. Because if not, then Shuvah Ma'ava can correct this. And he says no. So you have to say 
It's a level that's even higher than Shuvah Ava that he spoke about. Even though in Shuvah Ava itself, Ma'ava itself, there can be many levels. So clearly there is that instance as well. But that's a rare, a rare occasion, a rare situation. And with that concludes chapter 7. So now, let's make a little introduction and we move on to chapter 8. The truth is, chapter 8 is a direct continuation from where we are now. So even though I would begin a new share with chapter 8, but it's all right because it's a continuation. So let's keep in mind this. We've talked about Shosh Klippus Atmeis, things that are completely off limits. We've talked about Klippus Nega, things that are allowed, food, drink, things that are, are permitted. Speaking. So you can go in both directions. It can be elevated to Gedusha when you do it for the right sake of heaven, or you can draw it down temporarily. And then you'll need Tshuva to return. But it's still Dover Mutter, which makes it easy to return because it's never really been bound and trapped. Even if it's temporarily there, you can be redeemed. Now, of course, in these situations, a lot is dependent on the person. But now, in chapter 8, he's going to say, there's another element when we come to my Cholos Asuras. In forbidden relations that we've been discussing, remember these are the two sides, Bios Asuras, Macholos Asuras. There, if the person doesn't sin, then there's nothing wrong. I mean, if, if a person, for God, God forbid, has relations with someone that he's not supposed to have relations, that doesn't mean that that woman is not allowed to have relations with anyone. She has a husband, or she will have a husband. So there's nothing about her. It's just to him, for the Gavre, he's not supposed to have relations with that person. And then when he takes his energy and manifests it there, we discuss the issue. And far worse than it is when it's emitting seed, wasted seed. Same thing with wasted seed. Wasted seed itself, as we learned, is Klippus Nega. And when pr- properly having relations with a person, with their spouse, in a sacred way, so it's directed and, it, and it's turned into Gdusha, actually, in the greatest form of holiness, giving birth to a beautiful child, a holy child, a healthy child. When it comes to Macholos Asuras, we have another situation here. The very object itself, independent of your behavior, is trapped in Shalosh Kupsatmeis. It's something that is Osubachila. So besides the fact that you are not, besides the fact that you are not supposed to interact with it, it itself has a spark like that. The spark is trapped there. As we discussed earlier, that doesn't mean it could be because then God has decided how the spark it can be used for, for positive things. You, for example, can ride on a horse even though horse meat is not, is, is not kosher. But there's something about the object itself that, that is, is off limits. Not just relative to the person on its own. So this is what Alter Rebbe is now going to address as he begins chapter 8. So it's a continuation because we're still talking and Alter Rebbe is continuing the discussion about things of, of Klippus Nega and Shalosh Klippus Atmeis as he'll be discussing of what exactly is allowed, what's not allowed. As we said, it covers the entire spectrum. So here's a few more different scenarios. So it goes like this now. Chapter 8. V'oidzeis 
What's the Vaidzes? Furthermore. So the basic furthermore is going to be that there's something now with Mecholas Asuras that even Bias Asuras doesn't have. And that is, as I just explained, that it on its own. You have the Isr, the object itself is off limits to eat because there the spark is trapped there. In a forbidden relation, like I said, it's forbidden to you, but not forbidden necessarily to someone else. When it comes to Michael Osir, everyone's forbidden from eating it. Piece of pork, God forbid. Or something else that's not kosher. Different examples that he gave earlier. So that's why he says, You could also say has another, uh, another implication, and that is that till now we discussed a scenario of a person, something kosher being done with bad intentions. Like we spoke a Dover Mutter with bad intentions. Now he's going to also address something done, being done that's not kosher with good intentions. But most likely the Vajjais is coming to compare it to Bias Asuris, Machal Sashur Shalakach, Shalakach, Nikroim Bishem Yisr. And for this reason, they're called Bishem Yisr. They're called Yisr, chained, trapped, tied up. Mipnesha, Af Misha, Ochel, Michael Yisr. Means they're trapped in that food. No matter what the situation is, and for every person, because because even if a person inadvertently, if a person ate that food inadvertently, he ate a forbidden food for the sake of heaven. He didn't know, means he was not aware, but he ate something that was not kosher. But he ate it, he ate it in order to serve God. What's the story? With that, with intention to use that food's energy to worship God. And not only was that his kavana, but he actually did it. He actually fulfilled that intention. And he read. And davened. Vakara means usually learning. He learned Torah. He studied Torah and prayed with the power of that food's energy. So you think, one second here, what is that? That's an interesting scenario. Before we spoke about someone eating something kosher but with bad intentions or directed towards self indulgence. What about the other way around? See, here he's going to explain that here there's an element that B.S. Asuras doesn't have, forbidden relations, and that is because of the objectivity that this chefze. So he says, so what's the story when a person does that? He says, So even though he ate it inadvertently, and intended towards something for, of holiness, for sake of heaven. And not only intended, but actually did it. Nevertheless, unlike the case, Kamoya Heter, when you're dealing with kosher food, where that is muter, which means it's unbound, it's unchained, here, the power, the energy, 
in that food will not be uplifted. To become dressed and manifest in the words of Torah and prayer. As if it would be if he ate a kosher piece of food. Mipnei, why? Why is it the case? Because here in this case, an objective reality, this Isra Hefza, this object, is chained to the negative forces of the other side, Sitra Akhra, from the three impure husks, the three impure shells. As we learned earlier, that there are things objective that God created that said this is off limits. Because the spark there is chained and trapped, and you can't elevate it. So even if you have all the good intentions, you can't elevate it. So it's independent of a person's intentions. Remember before we learned about intentions. Intentions can work between you and God, but not when you're dealing with realities on the ground. So before we were talking about the reality of the ground was in forbidden relation with another person and especially when it bring, gave birth to a child, to a legitimate child. Here he's talking about the object itself is trapped, the sparks are trapped and can't be elevated. Then he adds even further, Remember the Rebbe, Alter Rebbe is covering all ground, covering all the bases so to speak. Every scenario. What about a Yisud Rabbonon? In other words, it's allowed, but the, the Rabbonon, the rabbis, a prohibition that's rabbinic. So he's going to say, even rabbinic law, even though Alpiteda, it would have been mutter, but once the rabbis forbade it, prohibited it, they have the power to also cause that the spark can no longer be elevated. That's the power of Rabbonon. And as the Alter Rebbe brings a riot to this, Afilu Isa the Rabbanon, Shechamurim Divrei Sofrim Yeser Medivrei Teira. This proves the case, because he's saying, "What say? How could that be? We're talking about human beings. How could they have the power to trap God? Created the world and can say, this is toxic. This is not toxic. This is destructive. This is not. So that we know from Chazal, the Gemara in Edivin twenty one b says." The words of the scribes, means the rabbis, are even more stringent than the words of the Teda. So even though on a purely firepower level, so to speak, Rabbanim don't have the something that is always more a stronger statement, stronger prohibition. But nevertheless, the Teda also tells us that the Ebeshta gave Rabban gave Rabban Gave the right, the divrei sofrim, the rabbonon, the power for the reasons that they choose, alpiteir. It's all divine sanctioned, divinely sanctioned, to forbid something that becomes off limits. The Rebbe Nasiche, and I remember Pesach Tovshin Lamed Vov, 1976, discussed: Can we derive from this? And he concluded that we can. That even a isa the rabbonon is a isa chefze. Because there's a discussion. Some say that Isa that Isa says this is off limit. This is not kosher. Objectively, it's on. It's not just the person is not allowed to eat it. The thing itself. Here, the Alter Rebbe wants to speak about the trap of the sparks itself, and he says even Isa the Rabban. So from here we can derive that Isa the Rabban is also Isa Chefza, and they have that power. 
to say, or even though it wasn't off-limits, Alpiteda, but they say now it's off-limits, so the spark is trapped there. And that's called the, of Osir. So as, as such, Ulochein, Gama Yetzir Horev, Ekeich HaMesavim, Ledvarim HaAsurim, Husheid, Mishedin Nuchroin. So I just wanted to read the next few lines. And because of this, When a Yetzirah is desiring it, not just the object, but the person himself is also gets trapped in that place. Which is why you cannot go there and say, I'm going to elevate it to Kedusha because I'm going to use the strength from the impure, the forbidden food for something that's holy. But all of this is leading up to the, what we discussed earlier, another scenario where the, that Macholos Asuris has something that we didn't discuss till now. That it objectively is off limits and cannot be done, l'shem shemayim. But we'll stop here and we'll continue next week. Always misayim b'tev. The whole point of all of this is to help us learn to prevent all these things. And even if God forbid someone in some way may have transgressed, that we can transform it to tshuva ma'ava. But above all, that Mashiach should come immediately, and where all this will be erased and all the toxins will be eliminated from this world. Everyone have a good week. We're here every week. Um, and you can go to tanyaapply.com for previous episodes and also to submit any questions. Be well. This has been My Life, Tanya Applied with Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Please join us again next week. Visit chasidasapply.com for archived classes and more resources.